Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Amen. While you're getting ready, if you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Man, are you excited today? God is saying things all the time. We're just not really listening. (laughs) We're going to be hearers, amen? (laughs) And then doing what we've heard. And doing what we've heard. Unfortunately, at this juncture, there's so much being spoken in the media that that is a primary voice or trying to be, and so many people are being shaken. And as I said at the beginning, and if you've been looking on Facebook, I've been talking about a second wave, and, and they've been announcing and proclaiming, I think for over a month, about a second wave, that we should be aware of a second wave. And so this morning... Uh, I feel really led of the Holy Ghost to talk about some things that I have seen that the Lord has showed me that I believe will help every person conquer a second wave. Amen? amen. God's got some very good things for us. Can you say amen? amen? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which I don't want you to go to, but you can remember. <laughs> amen. I want you to actually look at Hebrews eleven thirty-two, but I'm going to start with Hebrews 11, 1. <laughs> Amen. And you can flip both or have your page open, whatever helps you get there. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, and you see, faith has a substance. And when it's at work, there's a strength to it. There's a weight to it. And as we speak about the things that we actually believe, there are, there's weight to our words. Many times you hear people speaking and they're trying to have faith. Trying to have faith will, will not carry any weight. It won't carry any authority. Primarily because if you're trying, you don't actually believe it. And so in a time like this, while many people are struggling, we don't try to have faith. We do the things that will build our faith. And so we have to come out of the the understanding or the trying to understand faith and work at the things that will actually build it and construct it in our heart because it's with the heart man believes. So we have to have this work in our heart about the word so that it can get in the right progress and get on the program of what it takes to actually come to faith. So when your heart begins to get in the right place and begins to accept things that the heart man believes, there's a place it can choose and pull it in and then faith comes. When faith comes like that, there is then a difference to how you speak and how you carry the words. There's no having to convince someone to come to faith. I just believe it. And every person believed without really rushing it. And I've used this this example many, many times. No one here, when you came in and sat down, went, man, I'm going to have to work at my faith to believe that chair will hold me. And I have to try to have faith. What did you all do? You just sat down. There was an expectation. It was just done. There was no surprise. I've had a few surprises with chairs, but that wasn't it. They don't look like this. 
You didn't have to like, I'm gonna try to sit down and hope it works. It was just done. It was just done. When faith has come to a place and it connects with your heart believing, it's just done. It's just done. And you just sit down. So we're going to learn how to sit down and shut that mouth. Amen? Amen? Now let's look at verse 32. Now that we understand a little bit about faith, it's going to help us. Verse 32 of chapter 11. And it says, What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, of Barak. Now Barak's a fun guy. Barak partnered with Deborah. And that was a fun ride. Yes, they just won a war. They just went, get up, let's go. All right, I'll go if you go with me, he says to the prophetess, Deborah. And so they go and they win. And it was kind of like over so fast that they didn't even have to write five chapters. <laughs> they just did what God said and poof, it was done. Mm. Samson, well, he had a couple of more chapters, but still got the job done. Yep. Jephthah of David. Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. When your heart believes it, kingdoms of this world fall. And any kind of kingdom that you encounter will come under. They wrought righteousness. Now, not in others, but in themselves. And when you're working righteousness in yourself, and there's a place for that, if you haven't been listening um, to Wednesday night uh, teachings, it would be a good idea to go back and listen to some and otherwise get yourself some books on righteousness and work it in your life. How do you work righteousness? Well, obviously, first by faith. But secondly, you work righteousness by those times when there's an assault that comes against the very identity in your life about who you are in Jesus Christ. And you say, mm, that's not what the word says about me. And you believe that more than what the word and all the other things are saying. You obtain promises. Probably in Christian circles, this is the most difficult. And it should be the most easy. They obtain promises. This is something, a promise is something already done and settled. Already done and settled. Already done and settled. So you obtain it. Uh, who here struggles with receiving and opening a present they've been given. Did you just take it? Yes. Well, sometimes we go, oh, thank you. But really inside we're going, yes. <laughs> right? You obtained the promise. And if someone tried to take it away, you'd like, get your hands off. That's mine. <laughs> Unless God said to give it, and then you'd kind of go, God, I, you know. <laughs> Stopped the mouths of lions. Stop them. Stop them. And uh, for the last few weeks, we, I've been sharing with you some ways that lions have been speaking in our land. They, lions are, are the devourer. In Peter, it talks about Satan himself being like a lion, saying things that will hurt you, saying things that will distract you, saying things to get you to believe his words more than the promises that are in front of you. And we have to come to the place where our faith will work and shut every mouth. One of the ways we do that is by getting encouraged through the word of God so that our faith can rise. So I want to tell you about a few people that we've talked about. I've talked about David before. 
But I haven't said much about Joseph, and for a moment I want you to think about Joseph. Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph, not Joseph, Mary's husband. Like that coat, had a lot of color. I can appreciate that. I can have an imagination about that. I, I'm not sure it was striped. Like, you know, you always see these little children's little coats, and they got the nice little even stripes. I'm not sure that's how it went. Coat of many colors. But organized? I don't know. <laughs> Just saying. We, we all have our picture. I'm sure if I asked every person in here, all the people who are like the science-leaning people would come out, it, I had to be striped. And the artistic people go, splash of color. <laughs> it doesn't exactly say, so enjoy your imagination in that. <laughs> Joseph has a calling, and he has a gift. Yeah. And in his gift, he sees things. I think, personally, when I read his story, he might have said some things out of time yeah. that got himself into bigger trouble than was necessary. You know, telling your brothers and sisters, you're going to bow down to me. Maybe not so good. <laughs> and by the way, daddy too. <laughs> and so I think about that thing. Perhaps wisdom didn't go alongside that gift too well yet because he was young. <laughs> but that gift was amazing. Yes, it got him thrown into a pit. But he lived. And then he got thrown in jail later for another lie. And he lived. But these things kept happening. There was more than one occasion, more than one occasion of an assault. And he still ended up living out what God had destined. Still did it. Still did it. The gift that God put in him wasn't able to be quenched. And one of the things that the Lord really impressed upon my heart as over this last, I think, three or four months, we've talked a lot about the gift inside, recognizing it, seeing it, and knowing it. And he spoke to me so very clearly that the denial of those things is done. And one of the, the if you could just grab a hold of this, that in the same way Joseph was tossed out, thrown down, lied about, pushed aside, and ended up living out every promise. His gift continued to make room for himself. It was the very thing God placed inside for such a time as he was on the earth. There is a gift inside of you that is destined for this time. If you are alive right now, there is something he has placed inside of you that's precious, just as precious as Joseph gifts was. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be denied anymore. But you have to start being the first one to not deny it. It's got to start with you. You're the person who's got to say, I accept this. I accept it's for this time. How do I cooperate with it? Show me, Lord, how to yield to that. And so that it can produce the exact fruit that God wants to birth here right now at this time. The time of denial of the gift is done. It's time for you to stand in that gift and let it work. Yeah. Let it work. Yeah. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. It's easy to fall into that trap of being ashamed of what God has given you. That's part of a mouth of a lion. It wants you to say, well, you know, you're just a Canadian. 
no one really knows who you are. Like that ever mattered? Do you really think all of the Egyptians really know who this guy in the pit was when they pulled him out? They just treated him like a slave. They bought him. Oh, you'll make a good slave. You'll make a good slave. And so we see these terrible things happen over and over and over. It didn't seem to stop him. Let's look at Daniel for a minute. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Daniel's a good book. It's after Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. It's a little stuck in there. But you'll find it. Just a few chapters. But you'll get there. <coughs> Daniel's an interesting character. Ezekiel's an interesting character. Want to laugh for a minute while you're finding Daniel? A little funny thing. Uh, we're, we're just looking at the book of Daniel. We're going to go to, um, let's see, where shall we go? We'll go to chapter 6. I'll tell you a little story about Daniel first. Maybe Ezekiel. Sometimes people come to church and they want to laugh. You want to laugh when you come to church? You want to have fun? Because God's sometimes really funny. You know, the struggles that we're having, the world voices and all of that, and they're all, like, concerned about meat, right? Right? Everybody concerned about meat? Oh, we, maybe we shouldn't eat meat. Oh, we, you know, the time's come. We should eat less meat. I think you should eat less soy, but, you know. I think Ezekiel was the first one who had <laughs> This is not meat burger. <laughs> Let's go to Daniel. <laughs> So Daniel's this guy, and he comes along, and, and, and he's noticed. In Daniel chapter 1, you'll find out that Daniel was noticed. He was noticed. And actually, so were his buddies. It wasn't just Daniel that was noticed. His buddies were noticed as well. And, and it was quite, quite interesting. He said uh, they went looked in, in the, Daniel chapter 1. It says, children in whom was no blemish. That's kind of funny. They were good-looking. Good-looking folk. Well-favored, skilled in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science. And such had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of Chaldeans, which is really interesting. So they thought, these were teachable people. Praise the Lord, let that be today. And uh, amen, that was fast, wasn't it? <laughs> we should be teachable, Amen. And so we see this Daniel, and he gets here and there and everywhere, and he gets, you know, in a bunch of trouble. He gets in a bunch of trouble, and he gets in a bunch of trouble. He gets in a bunch of trouble for doing what he always did in chapter 6 and verse 10. He said, when Daniel knew, everybody said, when? When Daniel knew that there was writing signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened, his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. This was something he was known for. In this time that we've been in, some people have entered into a new realm of praying in their life. Stay with it. But if you weren't doing this before, it's not a four time. It's something new, and you need to hold on to that. We don't try to live, and there's people out there going, oh, we've got to stand against the government. We've got to do these things, and, and we need to blah, 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 blah. This is just like the book of Daniel. Not if you haven't been doing stuff before time, it isn't. No relation to that. Now, if you've been living that life just like Daniel and you've been working in the king's palace and doing all those things, amen. If you've not, you're not Daniel. It's not your time. This is not Daniel's time. It's our time. 
Let's get our time straightened out. Where are you living? 2020, folks. God will have a way to use your gift in this time. Amen. Not crazy Daniel time. We're not going to do what Daniel did. That was Daniel's instruction. We will get ours. Now, if you get thrown in a pit, we'll talk about it. <laughs> have any of you been thrown in jail for standing up for your faith yet? Okay, well then, that's not us. The most interesting thing is here he is, it's not just one lion, it's a den of lions he gets tossed into for praying. He had already had favor with the king. Now, he wasn't a good king, he was a crazy king. But he wanted something from Daniel. He wanted the gift. Not necessarily the man. He wanted what he had. I'm telling you, if you're alive on this time, and God's put a gift in you, and it's for this time, and it's not being denied, there are people in this world that need your gift. They needed wisdom. They were craving it. They needed someone who could get a hold of God and find out what the answer is. That's not changed. If you're alive now, it's not being denied. Your gift's not being denied. The time of denial of the gift is done. It's done. And just like Daniel, this is the place we can say, okay, God's put in us his wisdom. It's for now. We recognize our time. There is a world out there that still needs answers, still calling for answers, and we, the people of God, have got God who's full of answers on the inside, and it's time we stood up with his answer. It's time. And when we don't deny the gift inside, the answers come. The instruction comes. Look what he says to Daniel after he's been there. Verse 20. When he came to the, we're in Daniel 6, verse 20. When he came to the den, this is the king, he cried with a lamentable voice. Why do you think that is? Why do you think? What if he lost the voice that had been helping him? The voice that had the answers. What if it was all wrong? Sometimes the world looks at the church and saying, you said you serve the God of answers. How come you don't have any? Why aren't you different? You should be different. You say you're different. Why aren't you different? Why aren't you strong? Why are you falling over in a, in a plague? What are you doing down there on the ground underneath that thing? You said you have a strong God. You said you have a healing Jesus. Why aren't you standing up? It doesn't matter if you get attacked with it or not. But even if you get attacked with the virus, you should be able to overcome it. Amen? Let's have a word about this for a minute. Don't pick up the division of the day. We're bigger than that. Amen. You come with answers. They're in you. You come with answers. They're in you and they're in me. We don't pick up that nonsense. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Don't get, don't get weird about it. Be kind. Be loving. Not divisive. Amen. With a lamentable voice. The world needs us. They're crying out for us to stand up for truth. And not the kind of truth that says, you're all going to burn in hell, by the way. Here's the door. Here's the help. Here's the grace of God. What was it like when you connected with the grace of God? And something wonderful happened inside of you. Didn't you have something to say? 
in a world that's caught up and bound with fear and they don't know what to do. And they're totally wrapped up in the unreasonableness of fear. They cannot hear his reasoning. They cannot hear logic. They need to hear love and not just hear it, but see it lived out. That continues to love them in the midst of division. When people are fighting, that we come in and we say, we're not moved by any of that. We're going to love you anyway. And this is what it looks like. Amen. And we're going to pray for you with the kindest, strongest voice that comes in with the voice of faith that's unwavering, that's full of that weight of glory. Hallelujah. Cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. The world knew he was alive. The world knew that God was alive. Does he know the people in your life that are unsaved? Do they know when you walk in? Do they know that your God is alive? Or do you have to tell them? Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continually able to deliver you from the lions? And he doesn't jump out of there and go, um, by the way, yes, and he's really cool, and I really love God, and I really thank him, and it's really awesome. And see that. Which we could have all kinds of responses. But he honored the king. I always thought that was interesting. Oh, king. Oh, king. Live forever. And I thought, that's kind of unusual. Don't you think so? He honored the worldly king that needed answers. And I thought, this is the love of God. That's the love of God. He didn't jump out of there and go, you idiot, what were you thinking throwing me in with lions? Didn't do that. He didn't come out with, well, I told you so. <laughs> I've got like faith and you know, the lions li listen to me. <laughs> there was none of that. <laughs> none of that. He honored the king. He honored the people of the land. The same guy who had the authority to throw him in there in the first place. The love of God in the midst of a difficulty. So many times we face a challenge. I faced a few. <laughs> I, I, I don't count them. And I want to say this to you about challenges. None of them make you a victim. Not a one. Challenge, attack from the devil, whatever you want to call it, storms, this, that. None of them make you a victim. Victimization happens when you turn and look at yourself in it. When you say, oh, this is happening to me. When pity starts talking to you, be sure victimization is following up on you. And you turn and you begin to be more concerned about your own self than getting out of the ditch. Does anybody know how I feel? Does anybody know how I'm hurt? I'm not making fun of hurt. I've been hurt. It's not nice. I've been in pain. I've had physical pain. I've had emotional pain. I've had pain I never wanted <laughs> in all kinds of ways. But focusing on it never, ever led me to a path of healing. Never. 
it sure led me to consider how victimized I was and how sorry I was. And when you take that piece of bait that tastes so good in your selfish mouth, I guarantee you'll end up poisoned. And that bitter root will get inside of you and you will spread it to everybody. You'll get agreement from the world. Oh, it's terrible what happened to you. You'll get a whole bunch of, you know, grief and sorrow sisters gather around you. They'll cry with you. Oh, that's so awful. Oh, oh, oh. All the agreement of the wrong stuff. It's not going to get you out of the den of lions. O king, live forever. O king, live forever. There are people and they get attacked with things like cancer. Everybody rallies around. We've had a great report recently with uh, Ashley's mom's aunt. And God's doing wonderful things there. God's doing wonderful things. And you know what she said to me when I talked to her yesterday? Ashley's mom. She says this, keep praying because we know there's, we, we need to pray all the way through. Pray all the way through. And I'm like, praise the Lord. And she says, Pastor, I called you and your church because of the miracles when you people pray. What a testimony to the grace of God. Ashley's mom was Ashley's sister who just over a year ago uh, almost died and and their baby almost died. And and God so graciously, uh, Nora was there and all kinds of things. Just God had a great setup already there. And if you could see the setups in your own life, all the places God's got prepared for you, where it's gone ahead and said, here's the path to the promise. Here's the way it's laid out. And these people weren't even like totally like living for Jesus. It was not going on. But there was a path laid out, a path laid out. Sometimes when people get attacked with cancer, they, they do really well. That first hit, Everybody rises up. And so they, they go and, they, and they, they pray and there's a victory. But something happens about two years later. They get another hit. And because of something that was resident deep inside that was yet undealt with, they don't survive like David and jo- or like Daniel and Joseph. They don't go through one more hit. There was something that got left behind in there. And, and so... They get what's happening right now with this plague. There's a place where people are are having, and it's called situational fatigue, where they're so tired. We mustered. I mean, we mustered as a body of Christ. We came together, and we prayed vigilantly. And many people have done that. And they've come to a place where they've been praying diligently and and calling out to God. And and there was a great thrust in the beginning. Yes, it's not going to get us. And things started to turn around. And they did. They did. They did turn around, especially in British Columbia. We were praying. It was great. And, and then we kind of took a break. But something wasn't finished. And the words of the world about a second wife has begun to have an effect. Now, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. But because of tiredness and fatigue and people not wanting to pick up the sword one more time, this thing's taking off. And we need to get our sword back. Yeah, that's right. We need to get up. 
many of you are aware of the fact that last year was a challenging year for, for our family with people going home and, and that kind of thing, a little unexpectedly. And, and most of you know that uh, five years ago, uh, Barry was very attacked with cancer. And we had a great time of rejoicing. And in December, he was attacked again, right in the middle of everything. And in the beginning of February, he had an all clear again. Amen. 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 And we are so grateful. But one of the reasons we stood was because God had already spoken to me about second strikes. That no matter what, you get up and you fight like it's the first time. You don't let anything stay in your closet. And you see, that's what happened to David. Now let's look at 1 Samuel. Because here is a great answer. And it's so wonderful. When David stood before Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verse 51, it says, David therefore ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his out his sword, drew the sheath thereof, slew him and cut his head off. That is 1 Samuel 17, 51. He had victory. He caused that crazy Goliath that had come into his life to come to the ground. He took the head back, and that's where we said he, we, in Psalm 23, such a beautiful psalm, such a beautiful psalm, until you know what he's talking about. In the presence of my enemies. At that day, they had a table. They took the head, they put it on a stick, and, stat, and then they sat down at the table, had their meal with the head sitting there. Puts a whole new picture on Psalm 23. <laughs> he prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. There's his head. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, and they still ate. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Just a whole different view of Psalm 23. And, and look what happens. It, so it wasn't just Goliath that fled because they weren't just dealing with Goliath. They were dealing with an army, and we forget that sometime. Because even when we're dealing with one thing, there are many things that came with it. There were many things that came with it. It wasn't just the one with the vocal cords. Right? Vocal cords, he was the one going, every day he came out and tortured them. So it wasn't just them. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they ran. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron and wounded the, of the Philistines fell down, by the way. Mm -hmm. Verse 53, the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and spoiled their tents. They took the stuff. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put Goliath's armor in his tent. There are things that happen even during this particular event, that people take and put in their tent. One of the things they've been putting in their tent is the divisive words, and they're not resolving them. There's this place where they're taking the words of the media and they're taking them in, oh, and they're frustrating. I am aware. And there is a work of casting down imaginations in every high thing. You've got to take those words and throw them down. Throw them down. Don't let them get in your heart. Don't take them in your tent. See, when he took Goliath's armor into his tent, there was something in the enemies he is never going to ever need. Why would you ever need the enemy's armor? 
Why do we ever fight on the enemy's terms? Why would you need that when you've got holy protection? Why? What was he thinking? Was he thinking he was going to sell it? I don't know. But what I do know is what it said. He took it and put it in his tent. But he didn't take Goliath's sword. He took his armor. And later on in chapter 21, he ends up in a panic. He's feigned himself as crazy. He ends up with the priest and he's going, do you have anything? I just ran. The warrior runs without a thinking. David, the warrior who just killed Goliath and caused all the Philistine army to flee, gets in a panic about Saul killing him and runs and runs. And he goes to Abimelech in chapter 21. And, and he says, uh, verse 3, Now, therefore, what's under your hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand. Where is there? Pre- oh, he's looking for food. He's hungry. He's like, mm. And the priest answered, David, There's no common bread, but there's hallow bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, they're not supposed to eat the bread out of the temple. And David answers the priest and says, Of a truth, women have been kept from us, blah, blah, blah. And, and so he says, I'm okay, okay. And so the priest gives him, verse 6, the hallow bread, for there's no bread but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put the hot bread. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Duig, and he was a bad guy. The chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David says to Ahimelech, is there not here under your hand spear or sword? I neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Hello. So fast, a warrior. I mean, why, if you were a person who was, you know, licensed to carry, why would you leave your carry at home? (laughs) I'm licensed to carry. I carry my sword with me in my heart all the time. And the priest says, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you slew. Behold, it's here. Take it. And verse 10 says, David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. How did a man who was so fearless come to a place of fear? How is it that the words that are present in this world are causing us to bow at the knee of fear? Because we've taken the enemy's armor, tucked it in our tent, and left behind our sword, our word, our rhema, our revelation. What did we know and what did David know? When David confronted Goliath, he confronted him from a position of covenant. He said, you are against covenant. This is my promise. This is what I hold on to. And Goliath was defeated because he stood on covenant promise. And when he left behind that sword, it was a symbol kind of like we have today. When you leave behind the very thing God broke open in your heart, that very day you met him, your first love, the things that you know that are precious, that no one but you can know about you and God, those things, that relationship, what happened in the middle of the war? Why did we leave those things behind and take the enemy's business into our heart? And these are the things that we've got to flush out. If we're still afraid, it's because somewhere along the line, we have left out that very precious thing that God did for us. What's the very precious thing in your life that needs to have life uh, breathed on it once again? I thought of the lepers. And I thought, how precious. You know, as a pastor, I've seen that. Ten lepers come. Let's look at that for a minute. 
It's in Luke 17. Getting a lot of Bible verses today. Let your faith be built. Ten lepers. Ten lepers. I've seen this. People get healed and they run away. Luke 17, 12. Are you there? Luke 17. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood far off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master. So obviously they knew who he was. Right? Have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. There's a point in healing where we get there. And we're like, woohoo! But some people, I've seen them get healed, I've seen them get delivered, I've seen God work in their life, and you never see them again. When the Lord said to me, tell them what you've seen, I've seen people run the wrong way. I'm supposed to run to the battle, not away from it. Not, yay, God, thanks, got my miracle. Shall I put him in another tithe? You know, here, I'll tip God this Sunday. I'll get my thing, and off I go, do my own thing. That's what I've seen. I've seen the other two, and I'm grateful I've seen both. But there's something so powerful in verse 16. He didn't just, with a loud voice, glorify God, that one. He said he fell down on his face at his feet, and he gave him thanks. Look what it says next. You got your Bibles open? He was a Samaritan. He was an outsider who came inside. But when I saw this, I went, hmm. There was something very powerful about this. And of course, in verse 19, he says, your faith, your faith has made you whole. What happened there? David, when he encountered Goliath and had the great victory, left behind the sword. Where was the sword? Where was the sword? The sword was at the altar. And when he went to the priest, he got the sword back from the altar. It's where the revelation was at the altar. Where was this guy's wholeness? At the altar. It was at the altar. It was at the altar. You see, there is a second wave that's coming. There is. But just like the world thought it was going to be sickness, there was a place the people of God began to respond. And they began to wake up. Which is awesome. But there are some who are coming to the altar. They're not just coming halfway. They've come and they've said, wait a minute. I've got some junk I've got to clear out of my tent. It's time for wholeness. And they begin to realize, my Lord, 
He's been with me this whole time. My goodness, I have a gift. I, I did deny it. I did. I let it get squished down for many reasons. I thought someone didn't like me. Whatever the reason is. But there was a place where God spoke to you. A place where he met you. And for all the wrong reasons, some of us have begun to pray. And some of us always pray, but there's been some who've been praying. And God showed me they've been waking up all across this nation. They've been waking up and their eyes are coming open. And he said, there's a second wave coming, but not the one they think. Oh, hallelujah. There is a second wave of people coming to his altar. Coming there to find the revelation again. Coming there to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And to have revelation restored. And to have it come alive. And to do the things that they have been called to do. A people of God who will rise up strong and fearless. A people of God filled with answers. Filled with the things that will change the world around us. And they are coming loose, says the Lord. And they are coming in with a new strength and a new excitement and a greater joy and it's coming I have seen it hallelujah oh it's coming they're crying for wholeness they are coming and things that were being withheld uh, relationships uh, healings uh, gifts understandings says the Lord understandings they're saying I don't understand why this has not happened oh it's happening because the second wave is coming and people are rising up across this nation. People who are unexpected and they are rising up. And this second wave that they thought they were prophesying, we're agreeing. There is a second wave coming, but not of a plague, but of a people of God, strong and mighty. Yes. Hallelujah. And we are some of them. Yes. How do we conquer the face of fear with a voice filled with faith, with a voice filled with love. And the reason it wasn't working is because we picked up the pieces of division and allowed them to come out of our mouths. And when we picked up the division, love got quenched. And when love is quenched, faith can't work because faith works by love. And as we resist the temptation to pick up the bait of this world, to pick up the words of the world and let them come off our lips, we're denying that right. We're denying those voices. We're speaking what God has to say. And as we speak what he has to say, the love will flow and people will change. And they'll come to us. And, and in our workplaces and in the marketplace, they'll say, why are you in peace? And why are you so happy? How can you be so joyful and be so secure? And then Amen. we'll have an answer Amen. because it's not coming. We have the answer. It's not sitting far away on a hill. That hilltop's in my heart. Hallelujah. Because I've got Calvary burning in there. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, let the second wave come. One of the most encouraging people in my life when I look at him is Paul. So many times knocked out. I mean, countless times. Countless Countless. Oh, the shipwreck, this, that, snakes biting them, <laughs> stoned. I mean, none of those things have happened to me, praise the Lord. <laughs> and to this day, people still call it one of the revelations he had that he found at God's altar. 
But he said, I am the chief of sinners. And some people feel that way. I met a man when we were ministering on the streets years ago. And it was, it was so very sad. And I've told a little bit of his story before. Because he had been a special ops man and killed so many people and didn't think he was good enough for God. He felt like the chief of sinners, as Paul described himself. But Paul met with God, and it was Christ in me, the hope of glory. And to this day, every Bible student knows, they talk about the Pauline revelation. Everybody talks about it. It's known because something happened to Paul that changed everything, that changes us. And they still talk about the revelation he found at the altar. I think that's pretty powerful. What a way to get known. Oh, the Pauline revelation, the Pauline revelation, the Pauline revelation, the Pauline revelation. They're still talking about it. Why? Because it's so good. Because when you catch hold of Christ in you, yeah. glory is right there. And there's no more wishful thinking. Not a drop. Not a drop. And so we see this great hope arising. And that's why, people of God, we have to hear the word again. We have to run to the truth. We have to run to the altar. Because there's things, precious things, God wants to birth in your heart and mine. He wants to get those revelations fully, fully, flowing with the, the water of the Holy Spirit's touch, fully, fully, fully washed with it so that we can rise up because we can't do it on our own. But the Holy Spirit's longing to not just be a little dribble in a little tiny creek in your life. He wants to be a mighty flowing river. Amen. And as you yield to that river, mighty revelation will flow. And the things that have been held back can't be withheld. Ever seen a flood? Ever seen how not even all the dams in the world can't hold back? They can't hold it back. And I'm telling you, it's time it broke loose. Amen. And it's going to have to start with each of us individual. When it goes as an individual, it's gone as a body. Are we willing? Are we running to his altar? Are we running there for those precious things? It's so precious and it's our time. Will we allow that second wave will we be in that wave or will we stand in on the shore because there's a choice it's stand on the shore watch the water but i'd sure rather be inside what stops us what stops us those things you were talking about pastor we don't like things we don't like change we don't like when god says no not a bit. He says, well, you know, this silly prayer that people pray. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says later. Why are you asking about stuff you already know is against what the word says? If you knew what the word said and you asked, then you shouldn't have to ask about the no's, right? Mm -hmm. We obtain promises and shut the mouths of lions by holding on to the altar of God. Let us come again to his precious altar that's life-changing, 
life flowing. Exciting. Exciting. It's thrilling. It won't matter if you happen to go over in a boat. You'll still live. If you've ever read a wonderful testimony of someone who believed in that, it's the story of Tenerife in the airplane and how a man and a praying woman, his mom praying at home, and he got off and he knew he had a destiny. He knew he had a gift. He knew he had something to do in the earth and he was able to walk through a plane full of flames because he believed in God and saw a door and rescued people and walked through flames and never got burnt. The story of the plane that went down at Tenerife. It's a wonderful testimony about the grace of God. Amazing. Amazing. So let us be where we're supposed to be. Let us live the truth strong and never be afraid or ashamed to come to the altar of change. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I thank you I thank you for the swords of revelation that are being picked up today. I thank you that they're found again. Those precious places where they met with you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you that they're coming alive again. That you're reigning your Holy Spirit on them. We thank you for life flowing in them. For them knowing what to do with what is in their hand. For the revealing, oh God. For your revealing in their life. For a free flow of everything that you have destined them to be. Let it live in Jesus' name. Let it live in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 And Father, I thank you for great change. And I thank you that you've sorted out in our own hearts what is precious. And what we can leave behind. Father, I thank you for cleansing us from yesterday's pains and sorrows. That they'll not hold us back anymore. That we'll not be denied and we won't be our biggest deniers. But we yield to you, Holy Spirit. We yield to you right now. And thank you for a mighty work. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.